Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they bought a little short chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon, fueled by Guardian Games and Athletic Field Design. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your host, Ben and Dave. Welcome, sports fans, to another fine installment of baseball. Who is this goofball? What are we doing? What do we got going on today? What's up? Who are you? Who are you? Well, here we are. Uh, we're back in the, we've been allowed back in the, the Juster uh, recording studio uh, after a brief hiatus. Uh, uh, made amends, and and so here we are, and uh, it's it's good to be back. Got it a is. guest with us, and here we go. Here we go. And, and I just want to apologize on our last episode that just came out that I said David, and we were supposed to switch names. Remember? And oh, okay. And I, yeah. I said you know I'm Dave. I just want to apologize. I thought you were going to apologize for your personal hygiene, but that'll come later. That apology. So yeah, appreciate that. <sighs> You know, hey, I took a shower last week. You cleaned up a little bit. Yeah. Well, here we are. What do we got going on? Uh, we got some stuff. But first, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. Mike. And you're listening to the Diamonds and Roses podcast. We have our sponsor on today, Mr. Mike Hebrar of Athletic Field Design. I'm very happy to have him on. We're going to have him on this week. Next week, um, we're going to do, obviously, like, two parts, and... Uh, it's been great. He's been in service, you know, at 40 years worth of service. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But he's going to get a little bit more than to that later on. Yeah, this is a guy who's got his uh, his experience, his connections, uh, his fingers all over the kind of baseball pie in the in the state and actually around around the Pacific Northwest. So it'll be really cool to talk to him. Yeah, it's great. And without further ado, Mike, take it away. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, sorry, I just take it to drink a beer right yeah. there, you know. This is a, you know, we'd say this isn't a, you know, kid-friendly podcast, but we're yeah. we're sitting here and drinking a couple cold ones today. It's a nice day out. It's beautiful. It is. It's a good day for baseball. So, um, hey, what about them Blazers, by the way? I just want to really quickly hit on oh, that. Well, it's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the great features that Comcast has, that I don't know if they're their sponsor or not, is that you can push the C button. And that game came up, and uh, it's shortened your screen, and you can kind of watch the score, and watch whatever you, is more interesting than being down by 17 points. And then oh. all of a sudden, you see that it's getting closer and closer and closer. Now within five, well, I don't care what I was watching before. I'm going to go to the Blazer game, and it uh, it was just uh, amazing to see them come back, and uh, and what a team effort for everybody. And I, yep. I think CJ's block is. You know, second to none. Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah, because he gets he gets chided for not playing defense, and I think that's really exaggerated from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah he's, he gets better on defense every year. That was an amazing block. Totally. So, uh, Mike, let's talk a little bit about you and some of your historical background. And what's the uh, what's your earliest remembrance of baseball? We always like to ask our you know our you know it might people be that. one of the youngest you've ever heard. Um, second grade, we lived in Ben, and I went to. Um, St. Francis, which is, I think, a McMinimum pub now or something like that. Sure, yeah. And we used to go out there in the playground and play kickball. And um, the kids would run out there and draw circles where the bases were. And we had this big controversy who was out or safe and whatever. And one of the nuns came out and I said, well, technically the base is square. And she kind of, I remember taking her foot and outlining what a square was with her foot. <laughs> and that's my first 
hey, there's something. It's just not a game. There's got these rules and regulations that, you know, you need to comply with, you know. Uh, one of the things, I have a friend that was on the Little League Workday, and he called me up and says, boy, I feel sorry for you. I said, why? There's more experts in your industry than any industry in the world. They've all gone to the ball game and they all mow the yard. He said, I'm dealing with all these parents. One's going this way, one's going this way, one's one doing that one and doing this one. And and that's basically how my business now evolves is people want to know how to do it right. You know, and I go through a series of new people every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so at your earliest age, when, when did you start playing baseball? Three months before I turned 21. Really? I'm, really? I'm a little bit late. Wow. But I did get all the way up to AAA with no talent. Granted, it was a bullpen catcher. Okay, so, I got I to hear this story. You, you didn't yeah. play organized baseball until no, you were 20 uh, years we grew, old. I grew up and down in Medford, and uh, I remember we just, we had a group of guys go out to play baseball, and everybody says, where's the coach? There's no coach. <laughs> so that's about the street ball. It's like Sandlot, pretty much just like Sandlot. Mm-hmm. So when I moved up to Portland, all the neighbor kids were on teams and stuff. And I, I came, we kind of came up in the summer, so I didn't get on with any team and stuff. And then, um, uh, then, you know, I had two younger brothers that uh, uh, my dad started, uh, um, you know, coaching baseball. And I start end up coaching. I never, never playing before, and um, I had some unique challenges on all that. And uh, when I um, uh, went to Eastern Oregon State one year, everybody. Uh, my, my dad had a pitching machine. We used to go down to Benson every Sunday mm. and, uh, you know, play home run derby or hit. And one of my friends, uh, Kerry Clancy, that played for Linfield when they won national championship in 71, and a neighbor guy that was on the same team in the summer, um, they, they, they started working with me. He says, well, you should play. I go, well, I don't know where. I'm, I'm going to Eastern Oregon next year. And, mm. and uh, so I, I was on the JV team and, caught I didn't play much you know I just caught a little bit you know mm-hmm. my first game was at Blue Mountain Community College you know and yeah, I remember right, we even yeah. we even played a, a high school team and uh, huh. they were getting ready for playoffs and our JV team went there and they that's uh, interesting and so I ended up catching uh, uh, one of our first basemen just through the uh, ball, Mike DeFelice and he was, an, he was a first baseman he was a pitcher but we just needed somebody to throw and we just threw change ups and curveballs and I told him, you know, you got to blow your arm out. You're throwing too many change-ups. You got to blow your arm out. And he goes, uh, Mike, that's that's my fastball. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, we we that's beat funny. we beat the high school team. In the second game, we we had our flamethrower going, and the other catcher, and we got hit all over. So huh. it um, and uh, I'll back up my story later on. But uh, uh, Tom House was my pitching coach in Double A when I was a bullpen catcher, and one of the things he always says. Uh, to a pitcher, you know, before the bat or after the bat. And I go, where, where, where'd you get that? He goes, well, when he was in Boston, Bill Spaceman Lee come running down, says, how's he, I, I got this all figured out, of pitching, he goes, what's that? Before the bat or after bat, it's all timing. You know, and that's that's one thing, I, I wasn't gonna throw anybody out, so I wasn't afraid to call anything. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, the whole thing was just upsetting the timing of the hitters. Yeah. Interesting. So what was it like the first time for you to to step in and, and just start playing baseball? What was that feeling like? Well, it, it, I never got to play a lot, but it was it was challenging, you know. Um, 
um, when I moved back to Portland, I ended up being the basketball manager. I was a basketball manager at PCC. My dad's college roommate, Dwayne Owens, was the basketball coach. So um, I'm going to Eastern Oregon, and my dad's friends with the head coach, Ken Edwards, and he was complaining about his manager. And my dad said, well, Mike's done that before. And, well, if he's any good, we'll, we'll get him here. So and uh, so I got ended up being in Portland State. I knew the Duns oh, you know, yeah. from uh, – going to Watco games and watching the infield and stuff and trying to learn about coaching. I used to go to their seminars, coaching seminars. And I uh, got to meet uh, John, the, the oldest one, and caught him a lot and everything. And uh, played in some, you know, uh, non-counting JV games and stuff. And um, so it just got around the baseball. You know, being around the Duns, you just you get addicted to baseball. Sure. You yeah. absorb a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the 99 pickoffs that we had, that was always convenient, you know. <laughs> always looking for a cheap out. Yeah. And so uh, I um, ended up, um, I don't think, a little known fact, I might be the first guy to catch Jim Bouton in Portland. Oh. Because I used to hang around the Mavericks all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, here's Jim Bouton walking down the uh, tunnel or, or, or the ramp. He just flew in and uh, he just wanted to play catch. And I was right there. And I, you know, so whatever that meant, that's. You know, I've got a lot of little claim to fame on stuff like that. Yeah, we did an episode. He was prevalent <laughs> in that episode. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So, Very cool. Anyway, um, and so um, uh, uh, Edwards got the uh, head um, uh, basketball job at uh, West Texas State. Hmm. So I went on as assistant, moved up from manager to assistant. Um, Missouri Valley League that we were in played in eight different states and three different time zones. Oh. And we would recruit a kid from L.A. to hit a basket 10 feet high in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And we had no shot clock or three-point line, so we get against Creighton on Saturday, and down by five, the ball is it's coming out. We're, you know, we're going to have to press and all this stuff. Well, we played Indiana State three times Louis Bird senior year. Granted, we, all, we lost a playoff game only by 10. We were never going to win it, but we were there. And um, and then uh, our assistant coach's brother Terry Aoff was eligible next year, and boy, they didn't see that coming. I mean, he he was lobbing half court passes, the guys dunking and flying and stuff. And we got um, we actually got to the finals of our Missouri Valley Conference against uh, Bradley against Dick Versailles. Oh, very cool. Uh, so uh, and um, uh, so we that was uh, and then we we go all the way back to Illinois to play there. We lose. We fly all the way back. Hey, we go to the NIT. Yeah, 90 miles where we were just were. Oh. <laughs> Illinois State. So anyway, the guy that um, John Dietrich that bought the AA team with the Padres organization in Amarillo, and our school was like 18 miles south of in Canyon, okay. Texas. It's West Texas A&M now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, uh, we were Division One. You know, I talked to John Dunn about this. When we played baseball, there was no Division One, Division Two. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna play Willamette. We're gonna play Lewis Clark, and now you can't, you can't even come close to playing those people with the, the point values. So uh, when um, uh, I sold season tickets as part of my job at the basketball team, and and in the bio it said I caught in college. He goes, well, "Would you be interested in uh, catching our bullpen?" I go, "Yeah, I did in college, you know." And I we really had no responsibilities as a basketball at the time. And ironically, um, John got released in spring training. He would have been on the team in Amarillo, huh. you know. And so when I um, uh, I was helping, actually, they called the National in- Women's Invitational was actually in Amarillo when it started. And I got to know the the, the owner 
I helped drive the buses and take the girls to the airports and all this stuff. And I could kind of wish I had a job and work out with the team. He goes, why don't you help the guy on the field? And I literally didn't know anything, you know. Maybe he put the base in or something like that. And uh, he was from Wenatchee. I don't know why he was in Amarillo. But the first day, I was kind of telling that old guy what to do. And he lasted like a month. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I think I was 27. I was the head guy at AA. Wow. And, and we and we had nothing. We had nothing uh, equipment-wise and stuff. And I look at these double-A stadiums now. They're just amazing. Single-A stadiums. Yeah, yeah and we were in an old stadium, Potter County Stadium. And uh, so uh, uh, it was interesting. When the team came to town the first time, uh, our manager, Lenny Zell, hurt his arm in spring training. I threw the first eight days of batting practice. And you say, well, you look at my baseball experience. This is what I'm doing. I'm throwing in... Uh, then I would put, um, they thought it'd be best of not having a uniform player work on the field before the game, so I'd wear brown coveralls. <laughs> if I was lazy, I'd leave my cleats on and two little Superman plate. Clark Kent deal. And, and back then, we didn't have hitting mats. They, they hit, I had no clay. I just, I don't want, you know, the mound and stuff, but I had no, no stuff. I had no field conditioner or anything like that. Had a little tractor and drag it, you know, and, but I go on a couple road trips and, uh, uh, met Johnny Oliveri in um, uh, the old Texas Stadium, and he gave me a couple of things. And what do you mow with? I said, I just have a, a old John Deere rotary mower. He goes, No, no, you need a reel. So when I got back to Port, uh, the Amarillo, I bought an old Sears reel mower, and then start mowing every day. And then we had two outlets uh, for water: one behind the mound and one in center field. So we had Bermuda, Commer Bermuda, which didn't turn green until probably mid-May or so. It was, you know, all, I'd never seen white grass on a football field until I went to Texas. Bermuda, you know, yeah. You know, it was all white, you know. And uh, the good schools would, you know, most everybody's overseeding with rye now with the I'd transition thing. But again, the technology wasn't now like it, what it is now. And so uh, I just kept learning from each time. And then he started putting these um, stunt shows or concerts in there and, and then I'm fighting all these different things and stuff. You know, we had some soccer. I never knew how to lay out a soccer field before. And I uh, got a piece of plywood and used that as my right angle. I didn't know three, four, five. And now I've, I've got it so sophisticated. I got the right angle app on my phone. I can hit the angles and be right there. So I, I got a couple road trips. And the players actually treated me more like a player hmm. uh, than a grounds guy. And... Um, the one of the experiences I got that I would say a lot of grounds guys didn't get. There's a few that been playing ball and stuff. Is that if the mound was bad the night before, I'm sitting next to the guy that threw there, so I'm getting feedback from him. And then uh, we have uh, I take ground balls from the shortstop. Oh, I don't like the dirt today, you know. Uh, grass is too fall, you know. I shake balls. So I think the pitchers love me because I used to Eddie Watt was our manager one time, and. Um, the the training they would do that you would run and toss a ball and then he'd throw it out there to you. If you didn't like it, he'd throw it a little farther. Well, I'd be in the the list of whatever guys were running, so I was so slow, I actually gave another two minutes of rest because of my time. So anyway, I kind of got to know the players real well and then um, just starting to get a little bit better on on all my skills on that and, and learning from them, you know, and then... Uh, we had uh, Tony Gwynn was on our team. He brought uh-huh. him right up from uh, um, San Diego State. And then uh, we actually played the Padres one year. They, I can't believe they came to our place to play a game. You know, it was, uh, it was funny. Um, 
And then, uh, so they were all worried about the field conditions, and it would nowhere be close to, to be able to do it now. Yeah, the way the better the way our field was, and so I got a a, a lot of feedback. Uh, I got uh, we had some revolving um, coaches. We had a Warren Hacker, uh, probably you know reach back and throw kind of guy, but he told me how to do the mound and soak it and and let it bake, and I did that and. Uh, um, and then we had Bobby Valentine actually was one of huh. the revolving coaches hmm. that came through, you know. And um, I used to see Daryl Strawberry swing that bat, and I swear to God, Oof. every time he he swung, I thought it was gone. And uh, we had interesting challenges. Amarillo is um, on the left field. If we have the wind coming in, we hear smell the cows from the stockyards, <laughs> you know, which is somewhat livable. And on the right field, oil refineries. And that would give you a headache. But if we had the wind from the oil refineries, it was going to rain hard Ooh. and quick and hard. And so those are little test things you learn after. Sure. I had no tarps. I had the fact that tarp I had I had a bunch of holes. As soon as they rained it out, you know, they, we took it off because it wasn't going to do any good. And I remember my first. Uh, More hole than tarp. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my first rain delay or, or rain situation, the general manager, both coaches, and, and the umpires come out. But can you get ready? I go, can we play? I go, that's not my decision, is it? Yeah, it is. And I mean, I had no clue what I was doing. Here it is. You know, it was mine up until the umpires start the game and they could call it the next pitch, you know. So I learned a lot of little things like that, all of that. Hmm. And I did, uh, I uh, met a gal there. My wife currently can. We got 37 coming up years. And and, um, I got... um, the winter job, I ended up working with the Admiral Parks Department and because they had the experience. And I would uh, literally drag and mark 12 fields a day by myself on that. Ooh, so in Amarillo. I learned, I learned how to count steps, you know, and I learned how to lay out fields and stuff. And so I got a lot of experience on there. I didn't have much on the marking, the football, or logos and stuff, but it was getting there. I was, I was, there was some little need. Um, the baseball team is moving. The, the basketball co- co- got let go at West Texas State. I just finished my master's. I applied for every job around there with the city. And um, uh, we went over to my wife's parents and one day. It's just, uh, uh, we're moving to Portland. So, and uh, my wife was a legal secretary, so she got a job pretty quick. I was subbing and refereeing. So, being gone from Portland for eight years, technically everything's near a school. So I got to be reacquainted with Portland. You know, where this school, we are mm-hmm. refereeing a game there. And mm-hmm. that. that was before GPS and all that stuff. So I kind of uh, got into that, and uh, I was literally begging guys to let me help them on the field. You know, it got to that point, because I felt like I wanted to share my information. And uh, when I moved back, there was a lot of fields that didn't have any outlet water at all on the baseball field. All these years they made these fields, they had no water. Huh. And they, they didn't have a quick cupper. And some of the fields we put quick cuppers in there. And um, I um, end up um, getting a job with a seed company because of my knowledge of... Actually, was guy learned a little bit about me. I had him at a, a booth at Jack Dunn's baseball clinic. And he kind of asked about me. And next day, Monday, he called and offered me a job. So... Uh, I learned about seed sales, and I had no idea about that. Grass seed capital of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I kind of learned about that. And then um, 
I got uh, my 40th birthday. I uh, quit my job and started athletic field design. Mm-hmm. Going into my 26th year by myself, just doing athletic fields. And it comes up and goes, well, you, can you do a logo? Well, yeah, I could try. Mm-hmm. And interesting about my business, everything I've done, somebody's paid me to do it the first time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they take a pretty good risk. Yeah. And I think now with my, I got a really good, uh, I think, relationship with the athletic directors and most of the coaches is they know whatever I do is to be the best for them mm-hmm. on that. And sometimes you got to go over why we're not doing this or let's do this. And and then I go through um, a series of, there's um, the guy, the coordinator for the Little League on the field renovation. And some guys, nobody really takes seriously, you know. But there's guys in the community, you probably want Dave, that if you say, I want 10 people there, there'll be 10 people there. Yeah. Other guys, it's you and me and a dog named Boo, and the dog took off. It just, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but I've got relationships of over 25 years with guys that are nowhere involved with their kids' sports or anything, you know, almost my age or older. And so it's kind of been nice to, to keep this on. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it just kind of it created a monster, you know. Working after five on the weekends a lot, you know. Oh, yeah, my still going. Been real supportive, you know. I've been through the coaching thing when I was younger. I was coaching my brother's team and stuff. Then I had a son, Andy, that played four years of college ball. So I coached him all the way up to high school, thinking, hey, I'm done now. And he came back and started playing on the local collegiate teams. And uh, one thing when you coach in – High school kids grow up together. They kind of know each other's yeah. pecking order. But when you have groups of kids from all over that are playing college ball, and there's no definite pecking order, and you you need a guy in the dugout. You can because yeah. they made the kids wear yeah. helmets when they coach first and third, you know, and so they're no none of the kids want to coach. So you have to have two male coaches out there or adult coaches out there, and then um, so. It's just always a little drama in there, you know, just kind of get there. So I, I came out of retirement, and I said, as long as you can find a pair of triple X and flavor pants, I can still coach. <laughs> so let's jump back into your uh, minor league days. Okay. Um, so you talked about, you know, having that experience of being around Tony Gwynn, mm-hmm. having the experience of being around Daryl Strawberry and Bobby Valentine, others. Did you ever get the opportunity to have conversations with Tony, have conversations with any of well, these guys? Just on a team-to-team deal. The one thing I got from Tony, bless his whole soul, is um, he just joined us, I think, a couple – well, I think he joined us like two months in the season. And on the scoreboard – there's two balls, two strikes, and two outs. And Tony goes, Cone. He looks around and says, You, got, no, you guys don't know Cone? Like, everybody's supposed to know Cone. Yeah. And it was a, it's just kind of a good luck little ritual to do. Baseball superstition. My wife still does it. You know, no we're way. watching the game, he's going to Cone, and we'll get our hat and go like this, and up, oh, ball three, okay, put the hat back on, or we got a hit, or it's two, two, two. two, 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 one, yeah. It, it's a little things like that. Uh, one of my, one of my claim to fame is we had Bob Feller. Uh, Rapid Robert. To, yeah, yeah. He used to come around, and he'd always <laughs> beg you to, to throw. And mm-hmm. and we had this, uh, our securities, H.R. Kelly, and he was uh, he, he got the bat, and uh, I'm catching, and uh, and we struck H.R. Kelly out. 
the only used to throw two balls, but Kelly won another picks. We struck him out. I was going out like we won the World Series, but you know, <laughs> you know, granted, neither, neither Bob was probably throwing faster than I was throwing or running or something like that. So that was kind of neat, you know. Um, and then uh, when I did move back to Portland, um, I uh, one of the radio guys for El Paso knew I was in town because I used to hang around the ball games and stuff. And hey, he says, Mike, uh, uh, one of our pitchers going through rehab and they want to throw batting practice, but they don't want to throw, they don't want to catch one of the regular catchers. So I ended up, I went out there and caught this guy and go, I can stay for the game. Well, they're DH and Bill Naharani was one of the catchers. I had kind of contact with him on Facebook a little bit. And then uh, Steve Hurst. And uh, so they were DH and the other catcher all the time. So, you know, I so there was nobody warming them up. So I ended up, huh. in, in my last year, you know, I think I was 32, um, I uh, I wore everything. I mean, and then the most challenging thing I did in between when games were going, the infields were throwing knuckleballs to see who could mess me up the worst. You know? <laughs> so, and, you know, if the players don't care for you, they don't say nothing to you. So I go... I go to my locker one time. There's a Sugar A. I just found it too. Sugar A. Leonard little kid's boxing glove, and one of the players catcher put on it. Try this in the pin, Mikey. Meaning that I was boxing it, you know. But that was a. That's almost a badge of honor. Yeah. For them to recognize. At least they said something. Yeah. yeah sure. Well, the sure. thing is, hey, they don't want to be in the bullpen catching. You know, they're they're not playing. They want to. They don't want to go out there and warm guys yeah, up. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Um, no glory and, there. No and way. Amarillo, I would. I would maybe catch a starter in between starts during uh, batting practice or something, and then I would go get the mound down and mound field ready. And then I run down and catch the starter, mm-hmm. you know. And then, uh, what do you think is the hardest pitch you ever caught? Like, like uh, fastest? I, well, I think uh, one of the one of the toughest guys I ever caught is uh, Floyd Schiffer. Played for UCLA. He had a knuckle curveball. Hmm. Just eat you up. All and uh, hopefully I see Floyd. We're having a Grohl's Sock reunion in Amarillo next month. Uh, but one of the things um, that I always admired Floyd did, the last day of our season, Floyd came up to me and threw me his glove. Go pitch, I'll catch you. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah. You know? But I thought that was, uh, and I think the first year, I think we had the mound out in front of the lights, and we had really bad lights. And then they we, they moved him back behind the pole, which was no lights, you know. So mm-hmm. I was catching some stuff, but and, but I, you look at I caught Davecki, Dave Davecki, and Mark Thurman from A and M, and uh, Andy Hawkins, um, and you know what? Two years later, they're all in the World Series against the Tigers. Crazy! Yeah, all the guys I caught That's were cool. right there. Very so, cool. And they're all. Where we're at in Double A, you're an injury from going to major leagues, because if you're in Triple A, it's something you do in fielding or hitting. Because if you're hitting the ball, they're gonna bring you up, you know. Or one, to, mm-hmm. especially pitchers. I think pitchers move a little bit quicker. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the guys uh, he never got his luggage. Just Jim Kaufman was a scout with the A's. He's from Portland State, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, I got to see him. And after you know, we're back here in Portland now and stuff like that, and then. My last year there, Pat Casey was on our team. And oh, wow. I'm getting married. Uh, the last the team's going to move. I'm getting married uh, in two days. My parents are in town. And I'm not going to dress down for the last game. 
behind left field is Budweiser thing, and they have like free beer and stuff, you know. So I'm in there with my dad, you know. I'm getting married, you know. This I, I've <laughs> done four years, sure. you know. And I come out to the field, and I see all these guys there squeegeeing the water on. Well, somebody turned the water on and let it run in, in center field. Oh, no. and, and you know, and they got the commissioner on the phone. And what are we going to do? For cancel this game, and you know, this is our last game in Amarillo. And um, it was like several years later, I find out was a a kid that kind of worked way before I did was upset. His dad was a grounds guy there before, way before me, and he was upset that um, the team was moving. And um, so this is how we hand, we get most of the water off, and this is how they handle it for the El Paso team. This guy signed for more money. Let's put him in right. And the other guy that's played on that. So that was uh, actually the last day in Amarillo. But I saw Pat Casey and my dad talking. And I knew Pat from Portland State, but I never talked to him. You know, I just knew he was from Portland. Yeah. And um, so anyway, uh, when Pat got the George Fox job, I helped him out a little on the field. Hey, why don't you come over to the house? Uh, my um, my dad's coming over. I said, okay. I have no idea this day. I mentioned about my dad playing AU basketball. And his dad's friend, he goes, I was a manager on that team. And a couple years after that, Fred found the picture. There's my dad in the front row, and there's Fred standing. Because he took care of the uniforms on the one on one tournament. So what are the odds? And then hmm. when Pat got the Oregon State job, I put a new grass field in mm-hmm. for him. And then... Um, Way before they did all this stuff, and then uh, then when I went synthetic, I did the mountain and bullpens, and home plate, and then uh, I've done the ten year anniversary logos for them, mm. and then this last year I had to do the national championship logo for them, and I'm very cool. Th- yeah, well, I'm starting to think, ten more years I'll be seventy five. There's more pressure on me being alive for ten more years than them winning another one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a really uh, I've been honored to be, you know, somewhat involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not as near as involved as I was at one time. Still, you know? that's really cool. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So I've got a lot of unique little knit big stories. I, I mm-hmm. should have. I wish I would have re, oh, re, re um, open up to the visiting team a little bit more because you know a lot of times they're on a team next year. You see them, you know. I think one of the funniest stories though when I got the AAA, we had Rick Serhoff was one of our pitchers. And B. J. Serhoff. Oh yeah, was his brother. Milwaukee Brewer. Yeah, yeah. was a catcher. Mm-hmm. So great player. Um, the Rangers traded for him. Okay, and I'm going up to Seattle to watch the game, and I don't know how this day, I uh, I got in the clubhouse, and I see Nolan Ryan there. He's giving guys a bad time. That's and, awesome. And Glennie Zell, my manager, he's the bullpen coach. Tom House, the pitching coach, and Bobby Valentine's the manager. You know. And they're talking to me. They go, and Lenny Zell comes up and he goes, what's, what's Rick Surhoff have? You know? And they don't know anything about him. They just traded for him. And it's hard to explain this on the, the microphone, but I go, well, if I caught it down, my glove straight down the ground to my left, it sunk. And if I caught it to my right and slammed it on the ground, it, um, it curved. And Ezell just got uh, he come unglued, and Bobby start laughing. He goes, "I know exactly what you're talking about in the bullpen, but it's just funny how things happen to bullpen." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they go, "Well, maybe we should let other guys know." 
And one of the funny things was, uh, you know, I'd just been married a couple years, and I had my wedding ring on, you know. And one of the, the catchers said, well, what are you trying to do, upset the fans? I go, what, what do you mean? <laughs> they don't want to look down here and see anybody's married. Get that wedding ring off. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> That's funny. You know. So, Mike, who's your who's your favorite player? Like, did you, did you growing up? Did you have a uh, pl- favorite player at all? Oh, um, I didn't go to baseball much until maybe it was almost in high school when the Beavers were down. You know, um, I'm trying to think. Well, um, Rick Wise maybe because I his dad was my teacher at uh, Benson, mm-hmm. and uh, and Rick could throw a new hitter and hit two home runs, which has never been accomplished. So. I didn't really follow Rick much, you know. I'm trying to think if I really had anybody per se, you know. I um, probably always like Henry Aaron, you know. And then I see Tom House catches his, his home run ball. Mm-hmm. Well, lo and behold, I end up meeting Tom House and we're friends, you know. That's cool. So yeah. that that you you see somebody do something on TV, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing. Let's talk a little bit about Beaver baseball uh, here up in Portland. You know the old minor league team when they were here. You, oh, okay. just, you said you squad. went AAA. You yeah. said you went to a couple games. You know some games when you were younger. What yeah. was the experience like at uh, Civic Stadium? Well, one of, I, it was kind of neat. Um, uh, again, there wasn't a lot of things to do. You know, so I think there was a little more fan support. I remember seeing one of our pitchers um, hit a home run. You know, that was kind of a that's neat really thing. cool. Yeah, for a I did not too. quite understand yeah. the mm-hmm. the novelty of that. You know, because I didn't know baseball that much. You know, and um, a pitcher hitting home run is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Then uh, then the Mavericks came to town. That was a whole different deal. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and um, I ran into the coach from Walla Walla. Was one of our roving coaches in, in for the Padres, and it's Cliff Ditto. And um, I go, we talked about that. It says we all understood that was. A once in a lifetime. It was really, I don't know how you say it, it was just not ethical the way those things were gone. and It was unique. It was unbelievable. And it, it, yeah. it, it can't be duplicated. Duplicated. You saw the better bastards of baseball, you know. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have had more on the team. They had a lot more on Bing, you know. Yeah. But some yeah. of the stuff that was going on and something goofy going on, they'll throw the ball out there. And then back then the dog track was big. And these dogs had like PL Stump Greer, yeah. PL something. PL Maverick. Named, yeah, they yeah. named the dog PL Maverick. You know? <laughs> yeah. And they run out there and get the ball and they had to stop. And and then we had a. Lighting brooms on Christine, fire. Christine Wren was a female umpire. And um, and they would put a pan on home plate and they do all this stuff. We actually had a, a female umpire. We had Pam Postman in double A. And huh. then, um, and of course, everybody's given her, her partner, Larry DeGate, was the uh, umpire. And I remember after the game, he had a big trough around the home plate. Larry, that's supposed to be completely flat. Yeah, but as close as I see, it's on the black. If I can't see the black, I can't say that. Well, that was needless to say, his last year umpire, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think just uh, seeing all the Maverick stuff. I saw him put eighteen thousand people in there with a game live on TV, that's which cool. is unheard of. For yeah. us, you know, a low single A oh, franchise, yeah, yeah, yeah short A at that, you know, yeah. low single and, A. Um, yeah. Did you see yourself going to games like a lot of the Maverick games? Did, did did it feel like at that time like it was becoming a bigger part of the city? Oh, I, I think so. You know, the 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 weird thing is they they hammer these young kids so early and beat, you know, they sweep them left and right and stuff. Well, by the time the guys kind of got used to do and start playing a little bit more, partying a little bit more, I think, you know, I don't know all of it, but all of a sudden the younger kids are getting better. 
and they never won the championship. They they were I think they're one one two games away, but they had I don't know they had like an eighteen game lead or or longer, mm-hmm. which is shorty. Yeah. It's a lot, you know. Did you see John Dunn pitch while he was oh, yeah. playing with the Mets? Yeah, John was uh, phenomenal. John's right. a good guy, but what was that experience like watching somebody that oh, you it was, knew out it was there? Great, you know. I just uh, I think nowadays these pitchers would bring their bullpen catcher with them. Mm-hmm. You know, but John never offered that opportunity to bring his bullpen catcher. I don't know why. <laughs> give him a hard time. Yeah. Hint, hint. Hard you time. know, I exceeded. He owes you. I, yeah, he owes, he owes me. you. Yeah. I exceeded yeah. my my skills for yeah. starting late as I would have. I'd like to. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. It's starting on that. organized balls, ladies and gentlemen. And the yeah. funny thing, when I was in Double A, I would make a little indication with the uh, my glove if the ball was moving or not. And I think the double-A guys kind of got that a little bit. Triple-A, they don't want to know anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to tell them. And I remember catching one guy in warm-ups. I go, man, don't don't, don't call the curveball. You know, he doesn't have it today. And all of a sudden, <laughs> bang, bang. <they're laughs> a little I know, but I Outfielders just, hurt it's not next. moving. So know? at what point did you feel like it started clicking for you, knowing as catching? Because I, I, I caught a little bit when I was in high school and, and so on. And it's like, at what point did it click to you where you were like, okay, I, I feel more comfortable behind the plate. I feel more comfortable with calling the, sh- the shots or where the ball's placement's going to be, maybe what kind of pitch to throw, something like that. Well, back in college at Portland State, I would always get to our practices early, and we would do inner squad. And the other catchers had probably more intelligent classes. They could leave early like I could. And so I was always catching right off the bat. And I was always telling John, bringing John up all the time, but I was telling John, let the catcher call. I mean, it's all different now. Yeah. They're, yeah. Coaches are calling everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they would have confidence in the catcher. I said, hey, John, you should let the catcher just – you know, if you want to shake them off, then fine. Just concentrate on what you're going to throw. And I remember one time we go out there and John goes, you're calling a game. So we're <laughs> we're smoking these first two out, and we have a, a not a very good hitter up. And we just jam the living snot out. That ball goes dribbling slow down to the third base. I go, my life's over. These This guy's going to get a hit. And we barely throw him out. But it was, just, almost, it was yeah. just funny the way John said, you're calling a game. And, you know, because, I mean, you, 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 I think there's a, you know, always wave and shake off. And I don't, I don't see that much at many levels of ball where they're shaking them off. And yeah. We used to have a, a signal with a glove up or down. we just add or subtract and we'd be back. Mm-hmm. We could do, you could give them a fastball and we'd go three times and be back in a fastball again, you know. So it was uh, inter- interesting how that system is, I don't really see it much anymore. What's your favorite baseball movie? Oh, boy. Um, probably, boy, I, I know that off the top of the hand. Uh, you know, um, I, I'd say uh, probably Major League. It was interesting. Yeah, that's mine. We, that's mine. <laughs> we, did, um, we had a uh, convention in Baltimore, and our, our, uh, our seminars were in uh, Baltimore's baseball stadium. Camden Yards. Yeah. They were filming Major League Two there. Huh. And you see all the green stuff in Camden Yards is all blue with Indian logos and stuff. Weird, and they yeah. would film at night. And uh, you know, and I think I bought a Major League Two shirt there. So that was kind of neat to see that atmosphere. Oh, yeah, Major cool. League's a great movie. There's yeah. so many quotes that yeah. I yeah. love. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just a bit outside. All eight. Yeah, I've got him. <laughs> I think I'll give you a trivia question, though. I don't know if it, um, 
at Portland State, um, I drove the bus for or some of the games. We had this old beat up bus. I remember one time I was taking the basketball team to the, the airport and the engine stalled on the Markham Bridge and we're kind of going downhill a little bit. But, so the, the varsity team is down in California. We have three, three pitchers. We're gonna play Madison High School in the morning. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get on the bus, drive across the river to Vancouver and we're gonna play Clark College. Well, the Clark College game, I can, I can play in that one. So we're, we're beating this high school team up, you know, pretty good. And our pitcher's gas. He, he can't throw anymore. So we bring in this other little guy. Ball, 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 walk, walk. And then groove, groove. We lose to a high school team. Ooh. Okay? We get on the bus. I drive over. I did probably one of the best catches I did. A guy... Guy bunted the ball and went around a catcher and landed like a beach whale and caught the ball. We're cruising along. We're up uh, like one or two runs. Sixth inning, ball hit up the middle, and our pitcher goes for it barehanded and hits it with his finger and tears the skin on his finger. Oh, jeez. Oh, but we got one more pitcher left. Who's you? No, we bring in the same guy. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. Walk, walk, ball, ball, ball. Hit, hit, hit. We lose. I challenge anybody to come up with this one. We lose two games in the same day in two different states. <laughs> When's now, that let me know done? if you, somebody, one of your listeners, maybe they have <laughs> that's happened. I don't know. Maybe they lost three games the same day. I don't know. I thought that was pretty hard. With the same pitcher on the mound. That's no, crazy. Yeah. Well, excellent. Um, this has been a great episode. Fantastic. Really appreciate it. Um, we're going to come back with our next episode next week, okay. and we're going to talk a little bit more about what, what you're doing now okay. um, with your business, and we'll talk a little bit more. All right, we'll talk, actually jump into the Old Timers Baseball Association, sure. which you're involved in, and then there's also this event that's um, going on in July of this year. It's called the Portland oh, no, Old Timers Diamond Classic. August. In August. I'm sorry. August I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay. I'm deeply By sorry. By the way, I did sponsor the winning team. Yes. So I challenge any of you guys to beat with uh, with, uh, with our team that we have. Okay. And we'll go over that. Well, we'll talk a little bit more we're, about that in the next episode. Well, the, yeah, we're the defending champion. I, okay. I, I, well, I challenge anybody to try to beat this team. All right. You know. $250 with a uh, mulligans might be a good idea. I'll tell you <laughs> what. It's worth uh, it. I think Tanya Harder is still in the area. Yeah. She <laughs> likes to take a knee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too soon. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, well, that'll do it for this episode. Um, appreciate everything you coming on, Mike, and uh, appreciate you being a sponsor of the podcast. We really appreciate um, yeah, everything you've done out for us. Making trip. Yep. And uh, I'm, as always, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And I'm Mike. And you have yourself a great day wherever you are. Peace out.